spiritually formed. My three-year-old son um, has already become spiritually formed. Um, you know, it's a process, but it's like we've all we've all been shaped. Um, we all have a spirit that's been formed into something, and it's an ongoing process. Um, but what we're interested in, where? Oh, okay. Thanks. I don't know who's doing the slides for me. Thanks. Uh, yeah, that, that might be best. Awesome. All right. Great. Um, so what we're really interested in today is spiritual formation into Christ-likeness. Um, so this is the spirit-driven process of forming the inner world of the human self in such a way that it becomes like the inner being of Christ. Um, so pay attention to that. It's a pretty important definition that we'll be referencing. Um, it's all about what's happening internally. Um, so as I said, you know, spiritual formation is going to happen inevitably, um, whether you're conscious of that terminology, whether you are conscious or um, intentional on how you want your spirit to be formed or not, like everybody gets formed. But we have the option of partnering with Holy Spirit very practically and very intentionally to shape our spirit into the image of Christ. Um, so... <sighs> You know what, we're, we're really focused here on the inner world, um, the inner man, the inner self. Um, so external manifestation is an inevitable result, but um, spiritual formation is about how we're formed on the inside. So it's like if, if our spirits is like Christ on the inside, like naturally we're going to act like Christ in our actions, in our behaviors. The spiritual formation is about forming the inner world um, into uh, similar to Christ himself. So... Um, right now we're in a teaching series, Essential Church. This is the, uh, I think, the sixth teaching um, that, uh, as a leadership team, we decided um, here are a couple fundamental, indispensable aspects of following Jesus that we really want to teach on, um, Essential Church. Um, and I believe spiritual formation is essential. Um, and I believe, so it's essential because, for, I mean, for one, your spirit's the most important part of you. Um, engaging in spiritual formation is nothing more than being intentional to shape your spirit and care for your spirit well. Um, <laughs> when it comes to spiritual formation, um, so most of what I've said is pretty obvious. Like every Christian wants to have a spirit that's formed in the image of Christ, um, wants to be Christ-like. But what I really want to drill down on and focus on is like the difference between day by day being transformed into the image of Christ um, and not necessarily, you know, month after month, year after year being transformed. So the big difference um, between, in my opinion, you know, where that transformation happens is the difference between trying versus training. So to take marathon running as an example, um, you know, you can try, when you try to do something, you intend to do it, you want to do it, you desire it to happen, but there's not necessarily the preparation beforehand to see that it actually happens. Whereas if you train for something, you're engaging consciously in a course of action that prepares you for something. So when you try to run a marathon, you know, you can show up at the starting line and try to run a marathon, and you can really desire to set a record time. Um, you can really believe in yourself and really want to finish a marathon. Um, but that desire and that belief in yourself uh, might get you through the first mile or two, but at that point you're going to find like that's not sufficient to set a, a record marathon, a record marathon race. Um, but when you try to run, when you train to run a marathon, before, before the actual event, you're engaging consciously in a disciplined action 
that prepares you and um, forms your physical person into the kind of person who can run the race well. So you're engaging something consciously and you're becoming the kind of person who can actually do it when, when, when the race comes. So spiritual endeavors are, are not that different where, um, you know, it's, there's, a, there's a, an aspect of consciously engaging in the person that you're becoming that empowers you to, to be transformed into Christ. So like the point I want to make is like believing in Jesus will not make you like Jesus just like inevitably. Um, you can't wish to be transformed into Christ-likeness. You have to be practical and like disciplined about going about it. So, like, there's definitely a risk, I guess, here of legalism, of workspace righteousness. But earning is an attitude, but effort is an action. So, like, there's, like, well, there's a, I think we have a pretty healthy aversion of, like, earning our salvation, striving, striving into the kingdom. Like, that's not what we want. Um, you know, our righteousness comes from what Jesus did, not what we did. And that's good. But, like, effort and earning are not, they're not inseparable like they're two different things and um, I guess the danger I want to watch out for is like we don't want to let our aversion to earning as an attitude um, talk us out of putting forth effort in our spiritual formation so like Israel um, across the Jordan God says take the promised land and if I'm not mistaken like in the promised land the first the first city they get to Jericho they just walk around it they um worship the Lord, and, like, God just gives them the city. Like, the walls fall down. I'm not even sure if they fight. I think they just, like, pretty much just walk in and take this place. Um, very little effort. They just take the city. But that's the exception to the rule because, like, for the rest of the, rest of the conquest, like, they are fighting their battles. Like, they're putting on the armor. They're carrying their swords. They're walking across, you know, uh, the promised land, and they're, you know, stabbing <laughs> Gibeusites and Amorites and... <laughs> parasites, all, all the ites, uh, and they're actually putting in the work. Um, and, like, and sometimes they try to do this like apart from God, and like it does not go well, but like whenever they partner their action with like belief in God, like they're victorious. Um, and so what we see here is a picture of like spiritual maturity, where it's like when they were like babes, you know, when they just first got there, like God just like did it for them. But like as they grew up, like it was part of God's best for them to actually engage in action and partner with him to conquer the promised land. Um, and I, you know, I think, um, I think of the analogy with my sons. It's like when they're babies, like I'll do everything for them because I love them as a father. But it's like it comes a time where I don't want to do everything for them. I want to do things with them, not because I love them less or something, but there's something special, there's something good, there's something um, joyful for me and for them to partner with them um, and, and build things with them instead of just give things to them. So bringing that back to spiritual formation, um, there's, there's like this aspect of maturity where careful, persistent, intelligent human action, um, you know, invites, invites the formation that God wants to see in us. So I've got this quote by my man, Dallas Willard. 
He says, spiritual formation is simultaneously a profound manifestation of God's gracious action through his word and spirit, and it's also something we're responsible for before God and can set about achieving in a sensible and systematic manner. Um, when I was, I think, in middle school, um, the WWJD bracelets were big time, at least in my youth group. Um, in my youth group, if you were a good Christian kid, which I was, you had a bunch of these, and you put them on your wrist. And um, if, if you don't know, uh, the bracelet said WWJD, and how it was taught to me, at least, was when you get in a situation, um, whether it's a temptation or an opportunity to ser- share the gospel or just do something good, you like, like, uh, okay, what would Jesus do? Jesus would do this. This is what I'm going to do. Um, and that was like the idea behind WWJD, which is not bad, but I, I think it's very incomplete um, because when you look at Jesus, there's specific disciplines and practices he engaged in regularly and um, that prepared him to be who he was, um, who, who, who empowered him to be um, Jesus. Um, so like when you look at the Gospels, like you see Jesus doing things kind of off off the stage, you know, um, where he's regularly spending time with the Father, like a lot of time. Um, I mean, he's, he's getting away, he's staying up all night, he's waking up early, he's getting away, he's spending time with the Father. Um, he's giving to the poor, he's Sabbathing, he's obviously reading scripture because, you know, he can quote it um, whenever he wants to. He's living in community and he's doing these things that are actually... Um, having an effect on his spirit, and I would argue, like, he actually needs to do these things um, to be Jesus. It's not like he's just, like, setting an example just so, like, we know how to follow him, but, like, you know, I think Jesus is, was able to lead the, the perfect life because, like, he, he you know, brought, came under, under God and, like, did these things. He abided in God. Jesus said he, he only did what he saw the Father doing. He only said what he father, heard the Father saying. And it's like, if you're not looking at the Father or, or listening to the Father, like, you're not going to be able to do what you see the Father doing. Um, and Jesus did these things regularly. So, you, if, you, if you think, like, in the moment, WWJD, it's like, you're trying to do the thing Jesus did without doing the things that kept Jesus rooted in the Father. Like, if you, you can't just get to a situation and suddenly choose to be like Christ because the form of your spirit is not Christ-like. Like, you have to engage in these practices and, like, before the moment comes, like, engage, engage in these things and shape your spirit intentionally, partner with Holy Spirit to shape your spirit into the kind of person who would do naturally what Jesus would do in these situations. Um, yeah. Yeah, so John Mark Comer makes this uh, point well, um, that the Gospels are primarily bibliographical. So they're primarily biographies, like there's teaching in them, there's theology in them, but like most of... Thanks, Becky. It's even cold. (laughs) I don't usually speak um, ever for long periods of time, so (laughs) thank you. (laughs) So the Gospels, most of the content is actually stories about Jesus, which is kind of interesting. Um, And we, you know, traditionally have like really focused in on the teachings of Jesus, um, all the things he's taught. 
Um, he taught a lot of good things. But um, it's just interesting that the, the bulk of the Gospels are, are biographies. They're just telling stories about Jesus and what he did. And, like, you think about why do you read biographies, um, typically, like, at least for me, like I'm reading biographies of these great saints, these great people, and I'm, I'm looking at their lives, what they did, how they structured their time, what they prioritized, and I'm choosing to emulate different aspects of their life because I want to, I want to be like them. You know, like I read a Bonhoff, uh, um, biography of Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who's like the spiritual beast, and it's like, what, what can I learn from his life? What did he do that I can integrate into my own life um, so I can become like him, you know, in these specific aspects. So it's like, let's look at Jesus's life, look at the things that he did, and like, and, and do them. You know, it's like, we talk a lot about following Jesus, um, and like, if we want to follow him, like, let's follow him in, in the practices he's engaged in. You know, when Jesus says, follow me, it's like this rabbinic call to, to his disciples, like, not just to follow him down the road, but like, to follow him into his, his way of living life. Um, and I think that's what he's inviting us to, like, I don't think he's talking, you know, primarily about like obeying this list of things, but it's like, come be like me, follow me, share my life. And I think a big part of that is, is doing these things that he did to keep himself centered and rooted and, and empowered by the father. So that leads us to spiritual disciplines. Um, yeah, just to, so just to recap real quick, um, we're all spiritually formed. Um, we want to be formed into the image of Christ. It's essential and it requires effort on our end. So um, how, do we, how do we go about um, being intentional um, and engaging spiritual formation? How do we go about into forming our spirits into the image of Christ? There's a couple ways, but what I really want to focus on today is spiritual disciplines. Um, sometimes they're called practices of Jesus. Sometimes they're called rhythms of life. But they're really anything that you intentionally do to form your spirit into Christ-likeness. Um, so there's, you know, there's a lot of lists of these things um, throughout the ages. You know, you think of prayer, worship, fasting, teaching, silence, solitude, um, study, Sabbath, retreat. Um, there's quite a few things that people throughout the ages have, have engaged in and kind of named, written about. Um, and I think that's, that's really useful to look back at, you know, what, what these other people, these saints, these people who have pursue Jesus authentically, um, have found useful in their journey. You know, sometimes it's easy to think like we're the first people to follow Jesus or something. It's like there's a lot of people who just like really have been pressing hard after the Lord um, in, in generations past. Um, but what I want to avoid is like pigeonholing spiritual disciplines into this list of 12 or 15 or whatever as like these are the things you do to become like Jesus and everything else is like non-spiritual disciplines or something. Um, because anything you do with intention to form your spirit into Christ-likeness is a spiritual discipline. Um, I think Luke's going to share a couple things that probably wouldn't be on the list of like classic spiritual disciplines. But it's like bringing that mentality of like how can I form my spirit into the image of Christ, um, seeking the Father, and yeah, instituting specific practices, specific rhythms into your life that um, shape your spirit and just being intentional about that. I wanted to note here that some disciplines um, are going to come easier to some people than others, um, like we're all wired differently. Um, so I think it's, there's uh, something to watch out for is like it's easy to, you know, have your own specific disciplines and feel like 
they're really life-giving and it's like, this is what following Jesus looks like and everybody else who doesn't do this is like missing it. Like, I'm pretty, pretty introverted. Like, silence and solitude is like, like I, I enjoy that. You know, I can do that for a long time. It's really life-giving. Um, I could just be out in the woods for days, um, me and the Father, and have like a really spiritual time, life-giving time. And like, I love it, it's good for my spirit, but for me to like tell my extroverted friends, like this is what following Jesus looks like, and if you're not doing this, like you're not being spiritually disciplined, um, would be not good. Um, at the same time, um, yeah, and, and vice versa. But kind of as a, as a secondary point to that, um, we all do want to like grow into maturity as like mature Christian, mature disciples of Christ, holistically formed our spirit into Christ. Um, and so it's like, if you only engage in the spiritual disciplines that are like natural and life-giving and easy, like you're gonna be pretty one-sided. Um, so like typically, like um, obviously not for everybody, but like, you know, introverts are like more, more focused on reflection, contemplation, extroverts are more focused on action. And it's like, if I'm always in the woods thinking about Jesus, but not doing anything about it, like that's, that's, that's immature. And it's like, if you're always taking action and like, you know, seeing justice come, but like you're not like spending time in the secret place, like that's immature. Um, and spiritual disciplines are a good way to like identify, identify those areas that aren't developed and like specifically engage in disciplines that are going to make you um, mature. So there's two dangers, I guess, I wanted to point out um, when it comes to spiritual disciplines. The first is spiritual discipline, or, or spiritual formation, I should say, as work-based righteousness. Um, so obviously, like, I'm pretty passionate about spiritual disciplines, spiritual formation. Um, it's really been, yeah, it's really been fruitful for me to engage in this the past couple years. Think about it, institute these practices in my life. Um, but like, if we ever get to the point where it's like, by doing these things, it makes me like Jesus, like, that's not good. Um, it's like, we, any progress in spiritual formation happens because of like, the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And it's like, we do these things to position ourselves and, you know, we do these things that allows God to work in our spirits. Um, but we can never do anything to like, by our own effort or discipline, like actually make us like Christ. It's, um, it's always a, it's a tandem process. It's a, it's a process of us being obedient and doing this thing and God meeting us in it and transforming us in it. So Jesus says, John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. Um, yeah, it's just like, that's, that, is, that is the kind of the spirituality of the Pharisees. Like we're doing these things to make us righteous apart from, apart from God's um, action. So human effort and action are required, but spiritual formation is not a human attainment. Um, the interactive presence of Holy Spirit is 100% necessary for any formation into the image of Christ. Um, yeah, so this is, I feel like a point can be a little nuanced, a little easy to, to miss, um, but it's kind of like on one side you've got you're walking on this ridge line, and on one side you've got you know the works-based righteousness of the Pharisees, legalism, and this idea of like you can transform yourself, and then like on the other side you've got what Bonhoeffer would call cheap grace. You know this like easy spirituality of you know I do I worship God when it's life-giving, 
and like God will make me, God, God will do the work. Like I'll just, I believe in Jesus and he's going to make me like him. Whereas like this no effort spirituality, this um, no effort Christianity, like Jesus is calling us to like walk that narrow path in between both of those where it's like you recognize effort is necessary, but like it only is fruitful with you know, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and you're doing it like humbly in the spirit of inviting God to meet you in your disciplines, in your formation. Before I pass this off to Luke, um, I wanted to point out one more danger. Um, yeah. And this one might be maybe more relevant to our, our, our current generation. Um, the church has obviously gotten into quite a bit of trouble with legalism like in the past. Um, I don't see a ton of that happening currently um, in the church as, as a whole, but um, there is this Project Me um, danger where there's a lot of philosophies out there right now um, that are aimed at making you like a nicer, happier, better you. Um, whether it's religions or mindfulness or these different practices. I mean, some of them are really good. Like, it's good to become nicer and happier. Um, I like to practice breath work sometimes. But um, that's not the aim of spiritual formation into Christ-likeness. So when you talk about spiritual formation into Christ-likeness, it's about becoming like Christ. And Jesus came to serve. Um, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others. He came washing feet. Um, he came teaching and healing and doing other things when he was tired and it probably wasn't life-giving, quote-unquote. Um, and his life culminated in choosing death on a cross. So, like, if the spiritual disciplines we're engaging in are entirely inward and focused at, like, aiming at making us, like, happier, better people um, and just, like, kind of, like, leveling up spiritually so we can just kind of breeze through life in this state of, like, peace. Um, like, peace is good, but it's, like... All of our formation into Christ-likeness has to look like serving others. It has to look like um, being transformed into people who love and, and are oriented towards serving other people. So like a lot of the spiritual disciplines are focused on cultivating a deeper love of God, um, which obviously is a good thing. But I just want to remind us, First John teaches us that anybody who says, I love God yet hates his brother is a liar. Um, so if you love of God that you're, you know, growing in the secret place or in, in your spiritual life doesn't, isn't leading you to sacrificially love and serve others, then it's like probably not the love of God. Um, cause love, love, true love always looks like Jesus in the end. And like Jesus came to serve. Um, so watch out for that one. Um, yeah. So, uh, Luke, if you want to come up, bro. Luke's going to share a little bit about uh, how he's been spiritually formed in the past year, um, some disciplines he's doing. Um, yeah? Where did Jared go? Thank you. It's like too close to everyone. <clears throat> it's the uh, the Woodard Bro show this morning. You probably 
probably didn't think when you woke up that you were going to end up here listening, listening to the Wooder Bro Show, but here you are. It's your lucky day. It is your lucky day. Um, first off, for a start, there were some like, some kind of stupid lies in my head before this that I'm just going to like talk about. Like, that I guess I've never really talked in this sort of format before. So like that I wouldn't do a good job, that like my performance wouldn't be good, or like I'm just doing it to be self-centered. Um, or yeah, and just like some stupid lies. And like we can all disagree with that, right? Like that's nonsense. Do we agree? Yeah, If everyone agrees with it, on three, clap once. One, two, three. There we go. If, uh, if everyone agrees with the truth that I'm just gonna go up here and just like, share what God has on my heart, and like, that's enough. Then on three, everyone clap twice. One, two, three. And we're talking. Uh, let's keep it going. If everyone believes, if, if everyone believes that God is faithful, on three, clap three times. One, two, three. Now we're rolling. So Ben asked me if I wanted to share today on spiritual formation, and um, I also heard that Steph kind of backed out yesterday because she's not feeling good, so prayers for her. Um, so I ended up kind of like talking more just about my testimony and things that God has done in my life over the past year and how he's formed me over the past year, um, and then like one or two specific things I'm walking in um, to kind of like continue that, that formation. Um, so I'm just going to kind of start off with like a brief testimony. Um, it was really cool going over my journal entries and kind of looking back like over the past year of my life and things that God has done um, is really cool to, yeah, I'm just like excited to share about it because it's just really cool. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's kind of weird like teaching after Ben or like sharing a chunk of teaching time after Ben because like, like I was born up to age 18, I went to church, yada, yada. And then like I was kind of following God, but wasn't really following God. <laughs> I was like 18 and 19. I was kind of trying to figure life out. And Ben is the person who was like, dude, you need some more Jesus in your life. We should like meet up once a week. <laughs> and that is why I'm here. So yeah, it's kind of weird talking after Ben, but it's also pretty cool. It's good. Um, so anyway, I moved to Grove City in, um, in summer of 2020. And I wanted to read, this is just before I like really get into it, I wanted to read um, the Beatitudes in the Message Translation. This is something that I just like really held close and went to often over the past six months. Um, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. That's a good one. Recommend it. Um, fall of 2020, my back started hurting. I was like, what the heck? I thought I was invincible, but I'm not. And I've been in a lot of pain over the past year. Um, I've like herniated discs in my back. Um, I have an annular tear in one of my discs. Like the bone is kind of messed up around one of the discs in my mid-back and just been experiencing a lot of pain um, over the past year. And for those of you who don't know me well, I'm like a super ambitious, driven, goal-oriented person and it's pretty 
infuriating to be like so limited by pain. Um, and so it's been just like really challenging. Um, and it was really frustrating. So like this pain, this pain sets in and like I slowly start losing. Like I'm holding on to my career. I'm holding on to like social status, different things I'm like holding on to. And what was really frustrating was like the world just kind of stopped making sense. Like there wasn't like, I didn't have my career to get validation from. Like I was not traveling and posting cool pictures on Instagram. Like I wasn't getting validation from my normal validation points. Like, and it was just really weird. And our society really just doesn't have a framework for suffering or, or enduring, <clears throat> enduring pain. And um, that was just made like really clear to me. Like, like people, uh, it's a difficult position to have a loved one that's like in chronic pain and really limited by pain. Um, but it was just like really frustrating. People would just be like, just hang in there, just hang in there. It's like my back hurts for two years. Like I don't want to just hang in there for two years. Like there's got to be more, there's got to be more to this. Um, See, so yeah, I just felt really lost for a while. Um, just pretty broken, not exactly sure what. Yeah, I was just like, like pretty lost and my values before, like I mentioned, just like I, I just wasn't able to hold on to those like I could before. Um, and the pain got to the point over, over last summer, so not too long ago, just like two or three months ago, where I was like going to a certain doctor uh, to get healed, like to, to help my dis and that sort of thing. Hoping it would work, didn't really work. Pain actually just got worse. And I was like in more pain than when I started. And like all these doctors like all give me different opinions and like no one seems to know what the heck they're talking about. And it was just like super discouraging. At one point last summer, like I'm not trying to be over dramatic, but like I also don't want to minimize like what I was going through. Um, there was at one point where like I just couldn't walk more than like five minutes because like I would just get so inflamed. Um, and so I just really had no no social capacity. And like yeah, I it was described to me like if you're holding on to your blessings or if you're holding on to things in your life like this, whenever God comes to take them away, He has to like pry your fingers off and it's so painful it is the most painful thing but if you hold your blessings like if you just hold it with an open hand like he can just take it and like my hand like I was gripping those things like those things that I wanted my career I was really gripping so it was just like so painful letting those go um and so a few months ago yeah I just like <laughs> I can't walk it's like in so much pain it's just like what is going on I'm like pretty much in desperation in my garage like so I just go out to my garage, and I'm just like, God, like, I moved here, try to follow you, figure out what this whole following Jesus thing is about, like, just what is going on, and um, and God just like started meeting me, which is really cool. Like, I just started to feel like this presence and like this fulfillment and this meaning that like I just never experienced before in my life. Like, <laughs> it's so crazy. I don't even know how to really explain it, but um, he just started showing up and, and fathering me because that's what he does. Like, he's our father, and he just started like really showing up. So my circumstances really weren't changing, but like he is just, yeah, like in my lament and like my pain, he was just showing up and, and yeah, I was just experiencing fulfillment like I never experienced before. And it was just like starting to get a taste of God, like starting to fall in love with God, like starting to, to get a taste of that beauty. And it's just like really, yeah, really significant. Like it's kind of hard to be the same after, after you really experience the presence of God like that. Um, and although it was like super painful, um, I started I started looking for a reason for this pain. Like in scripture, you you do see a lot about suffering, and you do see a lot about like where where enduring and persistence comes in. And um, I wanted to read. I opened this book like in desperation last summer. Um, it's called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Some of you may have some theological disagreements with Brother Lawrence, maybe. 
uh, I don't know. He's like, but like, this is, this is just like life changing. I'm just in so much pain. No one understands it. Um, he's sending a letter to one of his friends a while ago. Um, and he, he says in there, I'm in pain to see you suffer so long. What gives me some ease and sweetens the feelings I have for your griefs is that they are proof of God's love towards you. <laughs> what? They are proof. Your sufferings are proof of God's love towards you. See them in that view and you will bear them more easily. In a following letter, he, um, he, he talks about how take, take courage. He says to his friend, take courage. Offer God your pains incessantly. Pray to him for strength to endure them. Above all, get a habit of entertaining yourself often with God. Forget him the least you can. Adore him in your infirmities. Offer yourself to him from time to time. And in the height of your sufferings, beseech him humbly and affectionately as a child his father to make you conformable to his holy will. So he talks about, like, he's not like, oh, man, like, I really hope you get better. He's just like, I'm going to pray for strength. Like, I want you to have strength to endure this so you can be made into to who God's making you to be. Um, and ultimately, at the end of that, he, he says he wants, he wants his friend to be conformable to God's holy will. Like, that is ultimately the value above, like, living the happy life that his friend wants. It's like being made into God's holy will. Um, <clears throat> where am I? So I started, I started reading some of this, some scripture. This is one verse that I also really stuck with me during that time, 2 Corinthians 7.10. I think this is the Passion Translation. Distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that kind of pain. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets, end up on a deathbed full of regrets. Um, so really nothing was like making sense, but like I just started experiencing Jesus, like experiencing this contentment and this love of God. And it's like, Oh, actually, um, scripture talked about this a lot. And it was like all of a sudden God and like meeting God in scripture, meeting God in my quiet time was like the only thing that, that gave me solidarity, if that makes sense. It was like, it was like forming this foundation and it was the only thing that, uh, yeah, that like made any sense. Um, so it was really cool to see God start showing up and just like, yeah, it was just water like I never drank before. It was just fulfillment like I've never experienced before. And it's really cool it got me in that way because it, it, my quiet time doesn't look like that anymore. But at the time, like, that's just exactly what I needed. Um, so, yeah, it's just a good father. Um, and my values start to shift. Like, my values just start to shift during this time. Like, Paul talks about, like, Actually, we're going to read it soon, so I won't spoil it. But, like, I just stop caring as much. Like, when you're forced to let go, when you're forced to let go of the things that you care about and, and you realize, like, you get a taste of God's presence, like, all of a sudden, like, when God breaks through, through to you like that, all of a sudden, I just am not, I'm more focused. Like, I'm more, yeah, I would just rather be made conformable to God's will. Like, you just see that start to shift in my heart. Um, and yeah, going through these journal entries of like over the summer is just so cool to like just tangibly see that shift in a short period of time during this pain. Um, could someone flip to Philippians 3, 7 to 11? Reading, reading these sorts of passages was like, oh, this is what Apostle Paul is talking about. Like, this is what he's talking about. Like in pain, there still is fullness. There still is goodness. Um, Is anyone at Philippians 3? Oh, I got you. I got you. Do it, man. 7 through 11. This is ESB. 
whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain resurrection from the dead. It's like the more I start desiring union with God, like the more illusions are just revealed to me. Like the more I see like how empty it is to like be so focused on my career. I see how empty it is. Like these illusions are just being revealed to me. And like, yeah, it's just, I don't know how else to explain it other than like, I just started, started getting like solid footing. And it's just this really beautiful, like this beautiful, healthy detachment from, from things that I once held so close. Like I held so tightly, just like this detachment of just like, my career is just a way to worship. Like my relationships are are important to God, but like my social status is not something that I just should be like gripping on. I just like, yeah, <laughs> they're just like ultimately, ultimately meaningless um, without without Christ. And so the more I start meeting with God in that place, um, and the more scriptures He's giving me in like these moments are just like so good. Um, so I guess one of the big points I have to say, like up to this point, is just one of the most cornerstone aspects of following Jesus is suffering. Like, he suffers. I read this book by Preston Sprinkle last year, and I don't really remember a whole lot from the book, but I do remember this one line. And the one line I remember is, weakness is power, power is weakness, and suffering leads to glory. Suffering leads to glory. Like, Jesus just walks that out. And I I heard it was said that, I heard this in some sermon, that like, everyone experience the loss that Job experiences. Job experienced it in one day, but we just experience it over our entire lifetimes. Like, it's inevitable. Like, we're all gonna lose, we're all gonna lose our health. We're all, like, our friends are all gonna die. Like, we're eventually gonna die. We're gonna get old. We're gonna lose, like, the things that we're hanging on to. And, like, that plus Jesus is pretty much the gospel. And, <laughs> and so it's just, like, learning how to lament and, like, learning how to deal with the losses, like, learning how to have that healthy detachment, just, like, is such an important thing. Um, so it was just like really good to be able to learn how to, how to be detached from that and how to lean into God during, like during those losses that are just inevitable throughout life. Um, and throughout this whole time, like I just keep going to God, like, God, my back hurts so bad. Like what the heck? Like just so upset, like just angry and like just, yeah, just like broken. And he just keeps working on different areas of my heart. Like, he just keeps like, okay, let's work on this area of your heart. Like, let's work on this area of your heart. And God never provided a reason for the pain, but, like, he provided meaning, hope, and joy amidst the pain that I just had never experienced before. Um, And, like, it's still challenging. Um, Pain is, like, still going on right now. But it's just funny. Like, I would go to God to, to be like, hey, please alter my circumstances. Like, I just do not want to do this. Like, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And, like, he just changes my heart. Like, He's just like, oh, you're selfish in this area? Like, let's work on that. And I'm like, God, heal my back. And he's like, oh, you're prideful? Let's work on that. God, heal my back. Like, unwanted sexual behavior? Let's spend a month and a half on that. Like, God, heal my back. Like, let's go over here and do this. And it's just like, and I didn't even realize it. And it's so cool because Jess just shared this morning when, like, fits in this perfectly. Like, I did not know that this was going on. Like, I knew I was, like, getting a taste of God and, like, my heart was becoming more whole, but like I did not understand that like I was literally being formed into a new person. Um, and so, 
yeah, looking back, I just realized like so clearly God is not interested in conforming my circumstances to my ideal. Like he's more interested in transforming my heart. Yeah, that's fire. That's a good line. Write that down. <laughs> Write that down, yo. Yesterday I, I wrote that down. And I was like, that's, that's hype. Uh, like, I'm going to say it again. God is not interested in conforming your circumstances to your ideal. He's more interested in conforming your heart to, to who he made you to be. Like, that's just more important to him. He's a good father. And I don't know where Anna is. There she is. Um, we, we had a conversation. She's like, I'm not going to give Wynn, who's two, if you don't know, a truck because, like, He's not going to be able to handle it. If he does somehow figure out how to turn it on, he's just going to, like, crash it. <laughs> like, he just can't handle it right now. Um, and, and so, yeah, she's going to, like, like, if she's going to work on Wynn's heart, she's going to continue to uh, foster, like, his growth before she gives him that truck. Um, and <laughs> that's just being a good father or a good mother in this case. Um, it's like when you really love someone, you love them. You love them where they are, but you love them too much to see them stay there. Uh, and so sometimes it hurts like to, to have to grow like that. But ultimately that's, that's what love is. It's like, it's painful. It's, it's a verb. Um, so it's just, it's just really healing and really cool just to look back on how God is interested in, in transforming my heart and like just how committed he is to that. Um, cause like, I really, I just like didn't deserve it. Like, whew. Like, yeah, I just did not deserve that. Um, I'm good. So later I'm going to talk about Romans 12. Um, but yeah, like, God just wants to transform our heart so we can steward the blessing. Like, that's, that's what he wants Ultimately, um, he, he wants us to be able to steward the blessing of our circumstances changing. Like, that's what he's after. And, and like, yeah, Jesus says, ask my name and it'll be given to you. But, but sometimes we forget that truck analogy. Sometimes we forget, like, he also loves us too much to set us up for failure. Like, he's not going to give us something that we, like, my character is obviously not ready, like, to run a business like Ben or, like, have, like, an incredible marriage or, like, whatever. Like, my character just wasn't there. And so he's just not going to give that to me because he loves me too much. Um, and I'm not saying pain is good. I'm not saying, like, God wants you to be in pain or, like, specifically puts you in pain in order to grow you. Um, but he does waste nothing. Like, that's a fact. And he is working it for good. Um, and so it's like, while I'm in this cocoon of pain, um, just pressing into, like, still asking for healing, but ultimately just trusting God and, like, taking confidence in that. Um, this next part is funny. <laughs> so I'm just like in this cocoon of pain like a cocoon is a good word I think um, I'm just like stuck here I can't do anything I'm like just what the heck is going on I'm just like learning who God is and I, um, I occasionally would call like my buddies from like 2018, 2019 from like my college classes and flight training and stuff and like we'd talk and uh and, like, I'm just a very different person. Like, it's just so cool how God has changed me. It's, like, crazy. Um, and so I call my friends, and they're like, what up, man? And I'm telling them that my, that my back hurts. And they're like, wow, this situation is, like, really, really bad. And, like, they don't know what to say. And they're like, so what have you been up to? And I'm just like, uh, I've been, like, 
praying a lot. <laughs> you know, I've been like sitting in my garage, like, yeah, like really, uh, it's been actually really important, good for me to just like be in silence all day. And they're like, Luke has gone crazy. <laughs> like, what is he doing? Like, I wish they were recorded. They're just like, I don't even know how to describe it. They're like, Luke was this like super successful, like goal-oriented person. And now he just like sits in silence all day. <laughs> like, he has absolutely lost his mind. They're just like, don't know what to do with it. He's like, what the heck? Uh, but like, if people aren't following Jesus, think you're a weirdo. Like, you're probably doing something right. Can I get an amen? Come on. Come on. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, Looking back, though, like, on, on those journal entries and on that time, like, I just, I wasted a lot of time getting upset about what God was taking away from me, and, and I was ignoring what he was doing inside of me. Like, I wasn't recognizing, like, the shifts underneath, and it's hard, but, like, I just wasted a lot of time getting upset at him for taking things away from me. Like, a lot of time getting upset at him for disciplining me, and I just, um, I wasn't, yeah, like, my heart posture wasn't being aware of what he was doing inside of me. Um, and I think that's just, like, really important. And that was the big thing I got, like reviewing my journal entries, reviewing that season. Um, because like holding on, like my selfishness, like I didn't want to let go of those things. Uh, it was just like the selfishness inside of me that God was just purging out of me. Um, so when I really started to partner with him, um, God put some good books in my life. God put some people in my life, like Anna, which is like really important. A lot of the things you hear me say today are just like things that Anna imparted to me straight up. Um, and and there was one conversation with Anna that was just, like, really good. And it's just like, all right, Jesus, like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to live for you. I'm in love with you, ultimately, more than anything else. And so, like, come and what, do what you need to do in order to make me the man that I'm created to be. Like, just do, do what you need to do, regardless of the pain, regardless of the duration, like, whatever. Like, let's just do it. Like, like yeah, just, just come and do it. Just make my heart whole. Like, penetrate my heart just in every area that the enemy has a grip on me so it can be made whole. Um, and then I can like walk into what you've called me to do. And when you have that heart posture and pray those stuff, that like that sort of thing, like stuff just happens. Like stuff just happens when you pray prayers like that. And, and he just showed up and healed my heart in like some really, really cool ways. And I don't have time to like talk about everything, but it's just like really, really cool. Um, yeah, it just provided meaning and discernment that like I just, I just never had before. You all tracking? Yes. Good. So, uh, thank you. So, like, learning to develop this heart posture um, at, at a base level of just understanding, like, it comes down to just submitting to God, like, regardless of your circumstances, submitting to him and, and just letting him penetrate you with his love and, and picking up your cross just means, like, subordinating yourself to God. Um, and, yeah, he just knew that healing my heart takes means taking some things away. Um, so, so, one big thing that I've learned about spiritual formation from this time is that God wants you to form spiritually more than you want yourself to form spiritually. Like he is more committed to you. Like he is fighting for you. Um, so just ask him, ask how to partner with him in that. Um, because I'm just like overcome with like, I'm just like in tears reading these journal entries. Like, man, he just, yeah, he's just so committed to me. I'm crying again. <laughs> Can someone flip to James 1? It's one of my favorite passages. It's always been one of my favorites. Um, 
So update, like that's kind of the end of like testimony. Um, and then I'm just gonna talk about a few specific things. It's already 12.30, when is this normally in? How much time can I talk? Does it not matter? All right, give me like, give me like 10 minutes, everyone. <laughs> if you tell that to Brad, I'll talk for like four hours. <laughs> um, <laughs> so update like I am feeling better praise God like that's an answer to prayer I've been doing physical therapy I'm able to be more active which is great um I still am in like naggy pain and like chronic pain kind of like all day uh so I'm definitely not like out of this yet uh, which is kind of cool because like normally the testimony is like then I was healed and like now life is great but it's like no not really like my circumstances are still bad it's just like I kind of figured out more of who God is and like who I am in that so like I just have more confidence um and that's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> so now, like, I'm in the season, like, I understand more of who I am. Uh, and and I, think, I think you were talking about, Brad was talking about his foot, how, like, he, he's that big cast on his foot. And, like, the, the scar is healed, but if you took the cast off, like, it's healed, but he wouldn't have strength to walk yet, even though it's healed. And that's, that's like, a pretty good analogy. Like, my heart's been healed in a lot of ways, but it's like, I'm figuring out how to walk. Like, I'm figuring out, figuring out how to do it that way when I'm, like, out of this pain or whatever, I'm able to have the strength to walk. Um, who is that? Who wants to read James 1, 2 through 15? 15. James. Go for it. Perfect. You can stop right there. God bless. God blesses those who patiently endure um, trials and temptation. That's so good. <laughs> it was only a matter of time before I started talking about airplane things. <laughs> this is the only time that I've spoken in this format is about aviation. So, like, just give me a break. It feels natural. This is called. This is called your attitude indicator. This is like very, very important when you're flying. When you're flying into clouds, you have to look at your attitude indicator. If you're straight and level, it looks like this. If you're in a turn, it looks like the one on the right. It's, it's critical, and a thing that happens, like, when you're, and again, like, shifting gears, these are now things, like, I'm walking into, or, like, trying, trying to steward. Um, so anyways, when you, I'm trying to think of how to explain this. There's a thing called spatial disorientation. It's, like, one of the number one causes of accidents for private pilots. Like there's a lot of fatalities, a lot of accidents because of spatial disorientation. So what happens is you fly into the clouds and before you have your visual input and you have input from your vestibular system, which is in your ear, which is like telling you if you're up or down and that sort of thing. 
And when you fly into the clouds, all of a sudden, when, if you're looking outside, you don't have the visual. All you have is your inner ear, your vestibular system, and it's just prone to all sorts of errors whenever you don't have the sight. And so like your head, like you just start turning. Like it's, it actually shakes quite a few people up the first time you ever fly into clouds because like your body is telling you like you're, you're like sideways and you need to turn, but really you're not. It's like really a strange phenomenon. It, like I was flying with um, a student of mine when I was flight instructing and it was his first time ever in clouds. I was like, we'll go in clouds just to give him this experience. And we fly into the clouds and... Uh, He's like nervous, but he's doing fine. And so when you're in the clouds, you have got to stare at this. And like your body will tell you to turn, but like you have to stare at it and ignore your body. And I was doing something like air traffic control call. They're like, whatever. And I was like copying down a clearance and I wasn't paying attention for like 10 seconds. And I look up and we're in like a 70 degree bank in the cloud. Like this is like sideways. And I'm like, dude, level out. And he's like white knuckle gripping it. And I'm like, let go of the yoke, man. Like, let, yeah, I'm like yelling at him. And so we get leveled out. And really it's my fault for not paying attention because like that's just what happens the first time you, you encounter it. Like, yeah, you're just disoriented. Um, and so I love what James says. Like, be sure your faith is in God alone. Like effectively, if it's not, like you're gonna be double-minded and you're gonna get tossed by the wind. Um, and notice like that only really happens like when you fly into a cloud, like on a beautiful day, you're not gonna feel disoriented because like you feel like you have it all together. Um, and so it's just really, really important to be focused on like the truths that God has in your life. Um, and that's something that's been important to me like throughout even right now, like this week, um, dealing with like anxiety or like anger from my back pain. Um, just like really locking in, like when, when trials come, like being locked in on like those truths of, of what God is. So I'm not disoriented. Um, can someone flip to Colossians 3, please? And I, this back pain just really threw me because like up, up to that point, I was just only really relying on myself. Um, verse 2, thank you. Colossians 3, verse 2. That's it. That's a period. Like, do that. <laughs> and, and so this is so important. This is important. I didn't really plan that out. This is important for a lot of reasons. Like, it's on a daily basis, like, being grounded in that is super, it's just been really helpful for me, like, constantly just being aware of God and who he is and, like, having a list of his, like, promises and, like, things I know are true on my phone. Like, like literally all I have to do is delight in him. And, like, I can trust him to give, give me the desires of my heart um, every day. So on a daily basis, this has been important. Um, and... Uh, I might have to skip some of this content. But, okay, this is, this is what we're talking about, though. This is, like, really on my heart share. I was praying one day. I'm just like, this is just, like, a week and a half ago. I'm super frustrated. I'm upset about my back hurting. I'm just, like, dealing with a lot of anger. <laughs> I'm just, like, yeah, pretty anxious and fearful. And I'm just taking the guy, like, God, I just don't know what to do with this. And I'm just praying about it. And uh, I hear God say, I'm going to teach you how to swim with sharks. And I was just like... That's pretty sick. But like, what, what does that mean, though? Like, what, what the heck does that mean? And I get this picture, and let me try to like, describe it to you all. It's kind of weird. Like, I don't normally, this isn't like an everyday thing, but like, I just got this clear picture when I'm praying. And like, I'm like here, I'm in the water, okay? Like, I am, I am the surface of the ocean is up here. I'm underwater. I've got this murky water surrounding me that's like filled with sharks, like these gnarly looking sharks, like all around me. And there's just like a light, like I can see the sun up there, there's like a direct light, but I got like these sharks just like surrounding me. And, um, and he's just saying like, 
be focused on the light. Don't look at sharks. Like, if you're, if you're looking, if I spend this time, because, like, you're surrounded by fears, you're surrounded by anxiety, trials, pain, trauma, everything. Like, if you spend all your time, like, looking at these things, if I'm dwelling on thoughts of, like, oh, I'm just really angry at this person. Oh, like, I'm just, like, I don't know how this is going to work or, like, I don't know how the future is going to work out. Like, if you're constantly dwelling on that, like, you're just, letting, you're just giving Satan, like, a foothold in. Like, and, and the crazy thing is when I was, like, thinking about it and praying about it, I Googled, like, the odds of getting bit by a shark are one in, on Google it said, one in almost four million. So if you've ever been bit by a shark, raise your hand. Has <laughs> anyone bit by a shark here? No, it's like sharks don't even want to bite you. Like, they're just there. Like, they actually don't. Like, occasionally they're, like, angry or, like, super hungry or something. I don't know why. I don't know. But, like, they don't actually want to, want to bite you. Like, Satan can't actually even do anything. He just, like, he's the master of lies. He's the father of lies. He just wants to intimidate you. And so literally just like stay, stay focused on God and not, not like looking at, at these things because you just like, you just are putting yourself in like this cowering, like passive position. Um, and that's just been really important for me, like to, to move through like just the trials and like back pain um, without, yeah, without being anxious. Um, Paul says in Romans 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. NIV says, instead of changing the way you think, to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Passion Translation says, be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This is like, this whole Romans 12 is just crazy. So clearly, like Paul is saying, what we think, how we think has this big, important effect. Like it is an important part of our life, right? Like we can be transformed by the way we think. And the original translation of the word transforming, according to Bible Hub, is literally metamorphosis. Like, it's metamorphosized. And it's just like, that, that transform word is the same word that Paul uses when he talks about going from glory to glory. Like, you are transformed, you are metamorphosized, changed from glory to glory. When Jesus went through the transfiguration, like, it was that same word. He was metamorphosized, like, he was not the same person. Um, so effectively, like, what Paul is saying in the NIV version, it's like, do not be conformed, but be metamorphosized into a completely new person giving your attention to God. It's not like, ask God for better circumstances. Like, you can do that, but, like, he wants you to be metamorphosized completely into a new person. So you can just have, like, a deeper understanding of who he is and a deeper friendship of who he is. And then, like, Romans 12 is sweet because he goes on to talk about the unity. That's the whole part about, like, not viewing yourself as above others or, like, every joint supplies the need of the other. And it's like, it's just like, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, pretty much, like, he's saying what you think, like, changes the way you see yourself before God. It changes like who you are, it literally metamorphosizes you into a different person. You, you know how God views you. You can be made pleasing and perfect before God, and then you can view others like in the correct view, and you can walk in unity with others. And so it's just like, this could not be more important, like what, what we spend our time thinking about. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, same word, transformed. If we just contemplate the Lord's glory, we will be transformed. Um, yes, yeah, so I think that's just like super important. Um, Trying to think, it's already 12:43. Okay, I'm getting close. At if so, my back is is been. I've been in pain for so long that like my brain is messed up. Like it's not. 
I'm experiencing pain that I shouldn't experience because I've been so messed up for so long. You know those like grip strengtheners, little metal things you squeeze to make your forearm stronger? I'll like squeeze one of those and I'll have like searing pain through my back, like tightness, like physiological tightness, like in my glutes and back. And it's just like, that is not how that's supposed to work. Like you're not supposed to, like they aren't connected, you know, like that should not be happening. It's just my brain perceiving this thing. Um, so at physical therapy, like I go and I'll do an exercise and it'll really hurt and they're just like, hey, your back is strong enough. You're able to do this thing. Just like keep, just like keep going. Like if, if the pain gets above a five, then stop. But just like keep going. And that literally just like rewires the way my brain thinks. And now like I'm able to walk and do exercise that I couldn't before because my brain is literally rewired to not perceive things as painful. Um, and that's just the power of like community, having someone there to really just like tell you like, hey, you can walk in authority here. Like this is what scripture says. This is what Jesus says. Um, and it will like just literally rewire your brain to, to be able to do more than you could before if you were subordinated to fear. Um, yeah, it is good. I'm not really gonna have time to talk about this, but like, yeah, it, it really changes, your, your brain like literally changes um, through those neural pathways. <sighs> okay, the last point that I'm gonna talk about, um, oh, it's also worth noting that like you have to be walking with the Holy Spirit because sometimes like Ben touched on this too. Like sometimes you need to stop and go way back and say, okay, like I have this fear. I need to go through inner healing. Like I need to find the root cause of like what this is. But there's sometimes where it's just like, this is just a lie that the enemy sowed and just like, no. And like, you just got to take it captive and just like say no in that moment um, when it comes up. And it's important to be walking with the Holy Spirit, like to know to know what is going on there. I, it was so highlighted to me to do this, to take thoughts captive. Like God has made it so clear to me that I, I started wearing this rubber band. And every time I would think of like a selfish thought, like this sounds kind of crazy. I'm not saying everyone has to do this. Like I would snap this rubber band. One time I did it like over 40 times in one hour. It was just like, my brain is just like, it's crazy. Like how much my brain just goes to like a fantasy of me, like being strong or like impressing people. It's like, what the heck is that? Like, that is not selfless. And it's just like, my brain is always going to these like coping mechanisms and they're subconscious. So it's like what you're thinking, but it's also what you're contemplating because you become what you behold, you become what you contemplate. Um, so I challenge everyone in here, like, what is it that you contemplate like in your subconscious, like all day long? Because if it's the glory of God, like it's, it's just, you're just going to be metamorphosized into who, uh, who God made you to be. Um, yeah, so that was like really eye-opening for me to, to start doing that. Um, the last, the last thing I'm going to talk about, it just seemed fitting to like end with this, is learning, learning to walk in forgiveness. Um, this weird thing keeps happening to me where like I'll get, I get forgiven and then I sin and then I just keep sinning like every day. <laughs> Does that happen to anyone else? <laughs> it's supposed to be funny. Like you. Just <laughs> um, and you could preach an entire sermon on forgiveness. Um, I really struggle with like a performance mentality, like playing baseball. It was just like, <clears throat> there was a lot of pressure on me to perform well. And it was just like, if I didn't, like I would just get screamed at by coaches. And it was just like, I earned the respect of these, these authority figures in my life through performing well and just doing well. And that is just not the way God works. So it's been pretty difficult for me to like rewire my brain and not project that onto God, but to really just be like, God does not work that way. Like, I don't, I don't have to perform in order for him to, uh, in order for him to love me. And I think all this talk about spiritual disciplines and spiritual formation is like pretty ineffective if we aren't able to walk in forgiveness. Like it's just a pretty crucial part of it. Um, and I wanted to share this story. Um, 
I'm definitely going to cry if I talk about this story. Maybe I shouldn't. I, it's like sixth grade. I was going over this, these notes last night, and this story came to me. This was like really cool. It was like sixth grade. I'm, I'm playing on this travel baseball team, maybe seventh grade, and I'm like just riding the bench all year. Like I'm not playing at all. I like barely get any playing time. I barely get any at-bats. So there's like a ton of pressure on myself when I do get the, the chance to play. And so I'm just like pretty hard on myself. Like parents are paying a lot of money for me to be on this team, and I'm like riding the bench all year, working super hard to try to get playing time. And um, I, whatever, like halfway through the season, they put me in right field, the best position, the most glorious position, right field. They throw me in right field. I get this, like I get this fly ball, like this piece of cake, like right to me, and I just drop it. Like I just miss it. And I'm just like, what the heck? Like, I feel little sixth grade Luke is just feels so low right now. Like, he's just like worthless. Like, I felt like I failed my team. I failed myself. Like, I just wanted to like leave. I just felt terrible. Um, the, the center fielder, there was like, <laughs> there was like a break in the game, like a pitching change. And... He just came over and was like, yo, do a good job. <laughs> I just like couldn't understand like why he was telling me like I did good, you know? <sighs> like I just didn't feel like I deserved it. And that's just so cool. Like, that's what God does. Like, I go back to that memory. Because um, we mess up, and God just, like, takes the time to run all the way from center field, all the way to us. He's like, hey, proud of you. And he runs back. And it's just like, it makes no sense. <laughs> like, why? Um, but, like, if, if you are in Christ... You, are, you literally are a new person. Your, your genetics are new. You're part of a new family. And all that was related to the old has passed away. Um, so you can just have confidence in, in God's promises. And like, yeah, like when you, when you walk in forgiveness, and it's also worth noting that like rewiring neural pathways, I think are super important in forgiveness because after you sin, it's just like human nature to want to wanna hide from God. Like Adam and Eve did this. It, we just want to like leave, just go away from God. Um, so it's super important here, I think, to, to really be like intentional about like right after you sin and fall short, it's just like I am loved, like God loves me right now, like I'm no less, and just like do it immediately. Um, and I think that's, that's significant. So in conclusion, normally there's not like a conclusion slides for a sermon, but I, it was like nice, <laughs> nice for me. It feels like a school project. Uh, do we have time for one more story? Can I tell one more story? Sure. I was just going over this this morning. I was like, this story is perfect. So, uh, <laughs> I, is, anyone, is anyone a basketball fan in here? Like, Michael Zorin, has anyone watched uh, The Last Dance, Michael Zorin documentary? It's, it's pretty good. Um, there's this, at the very end, like, it's, it's the final game of their sixth championship. There's four seconds left. 
the Bulls are down by one. Michael Jordan is like dribbling the ball down the court. So like they're down by one point. They need to score in order to win their final championship. This is like a really big deal. Probably one of the most like iconic moments of Michael Jordan's entire career. And they interview this guy, Scotty Pippen. He's like the number two guy on the Bulls team. And they're like, Scotty, what are you thinking? Like what is going through your brain in those last four seconds of the game? Like what are you thinking? And he's just like, I'm thinking I need to get the heck out the way because like Michael Jordan is like, he knows Michael Jordan is going to score. Like he knows who scores, like when the time is right. He knows who's going to make it happen. His response wasn't like, I'm just going to like try to get open. Like I'm going to try to like get, get a lane where I can like score. He was just like, I'm just going to try to get out of the way and let him do it. Because like, I know like he is capable of doing this right now. And like his response was just so funny to me. And I think it sums it all up really well because like, yeah, in 2 Corinthians 12, like, God's grace is, is all we need. His power works best in my weakness. Everyone repeat after me. Say, my grace, or no, 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 I'm starting over. Say, God's grace is all I need. God's, grace is all I need. God's power works best in my weakness. God's grace is all I need. God's power works best in my weakness. Let's go. And it's literally just like, yeah, I put that in there. Look at how hard I fought for God. Not really. The whole time he's been fighting for me. And like, he just does that. Like when you're weak, like he just fights for you. Um, and that's, that's like the biggest thing I've learned from like my entire testimony from everything. It's just like pretty much all the spiritual formation is just like becoming less and letting God have, have more, like have his way. Um, cause yeah, he's just really been fighting for me the whole time, which is just such a beautiful thing. Um, and when you really, really do trust that, like when it does become part of your DNA, that God is fighting for you regardless of circumstances, then you're, you're set free to not subordinate to fear. Um, and so, yeah, it was just like really beautiful. Um, even if no one got anything out of it, it was really cool to be able to go through my journal entries and just see like what God has done in my life. So cool. Um, and yeah, on a practical level, taking your thoughts captive is really important. And I put that last bullet point in there to remind myself that like I'm not, like, I didn't make it. <laughs> like, I'm not, like, crushing it now because I know these things. Like, I'm still speaking this out of a place of weakness and, like, trying to walk in it. But, um, yeah, it's, like, what was on my heart to share. That's my story, and uh, that's all I got. Do you have anything to say? Thanks, bro. That was good. Um, I want to um, just take one minute, and if he wants to leave, that's fine, but I want to uh, pray for Luke's back while he's up here um, with a couple friends. Um, yeah, appreciate you uh, preparing, sharing your heart, building us up, bro. Um, so I've had a couple people want to come up here and pray with me for Luke. We're going to do that. Um, pretty special to be up here with Luke. Always wanted a sibling to follow Jesus with. Prayed for that for a long time, um, so it's pretty special.